The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Hey, listen, remember how you told me to toss those takeout containers before we left for vacation? And you were like, I'm serious. If that leaks over the counter, it'll be a slimy abomination by the time I get back. And I was like, yeah, 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 of course. Don't worry about it. I won't forget. (laughs) Well. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Rinse after use if in contact with food surface. Harrison Butker, a little social distancing workout from long distance, 77 yards, supposedly. I want to walk it with my own feet. I want to check those white lines. 77 yards, my butt. I'm just kidding. I have no reason to doubt Harrison Butker's truth-telling. 77 yards, bang it through, Chris. Impressive. And if you ever do it in a game, that's how you get on the All-Decade team. The All-Decade team was announced yesterday. We'll be talking about that. Your thoughts when you see a guy kick a football that far? Uh, just it's, it's unbelievable they can apply that much power into the football like that. I mean, it, it is. Have you, you know, when you hear uh, a kicker that can really crush it, right? Like I played with Matt Prater, who I believe, does Matt Prater have the NFL record for the longest field goal right now in NFL history? I think he does at 64. Um, sorry, field goal kickers. I don't pay attention to the updated list all the time. But, Mike, when most guys hit the ball, he used to scare me in practice every now and then because he'd, ke- you know, somebody would be kicking behind you and it sounds like something exploded the way they can kick that ball. So, uh, really, really impressive. And it looks like it is 77. I could see the, the X on the field for where the kickoff was, and he was eight yards behind that. So, that, that looks like it was official. 77 yards is getting up toward the distance that could be covered by Gus, the football kicking donkey in the classic Disney film from the mid seventies, which at one point in my life was the best movie I'd ever seen. Are what? you familiar with I, Gus? Have you seen no. Gus? Back in, your, Gus? back in your day when they turned back the clocks two hours and they watched Gus. Okay. No, I've never seen Gus. In fact, I've never even heard of it. So uh, you're going to have to explain that one to me. Your, your dog's in the background. What's your, your dog's I hitting say, you to attack, yeah. I think. You better be careful. You better feed that <laughs> he dog. You. The dog's, the dog's going to be feeding on you. Uh, but anyway, I don't know if your dog can kick field goals, but Gus, 1976, awesome movie. Don Knotts was one of the – I think Tim Conway was in that one too. There, there, there was a series of live-action Disney movies in the mid-'70s that eh, you could take them or leave them, but Gus was pretty good. All right, Gus was not on the All-'70s 
uh, decade team. But the team for the most recently completed decade was announced yesterday by the National Football League. And how about Tom Brady? You know, I've said in the past, and this was an idea that MDS first tripped over, that Tom Brady could be in the Hall of Fame two different times, pre-2008, post-2008. And Tom Brady making it on to two all-decade teams, one of the unanimous selections for the decade of the 2010s. Not a surprise. He's the first quarterback to make two all-decade teams, and only 29 players have ever done that where they've made the all-decade team twice. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing. Just, you know, put it on his tab. Another another accomplishment for Tom Brady. But, you know, just it speaks to the guy. Again, Tom Brady, yes, he did. He had two Hall of Fame careers. And what I can't, you know, again, I can't give him enough credit for. I really can't. You know, early on in this decade, it wasn't stellar. It wasn't. It went to the point where, you know, I know I was vocal about it. I got New England people that hate me then where I was going, man, you know, Brady in 2012, 2013, it wasn't looking good. And that's why they drafted Jimmy Garoppolo. But a credit to him just to, he changed his throwing techniques. He obviously changed his lifestyle off the field as far as his eating. And that seemed when that whole thing started to go up, the TB12 process, and uh, yeah, Tom Brady, I mean, just unbelievable how long, how consistent he's played at such a great high level. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And really, if they were ever going to waive the five-year waiting period for anyone, it would be for him. I mean, this guy is going to be in the Hall of Fame. First ballot, without question, unanimous. One of the best players, if not the very best player in NFL history. There were eight total unanimous selections on this year's or in this decade's uh, all-decade team. Tom Brady, Adrian Peterson, Joe Thomas, Marshall Yanda, J.J. Watt, Aaron Donald, Von Miller, and Justin Tucker. None of those are a surprise, Chris. All of those guys are deserving not only to be on the all-decade team, but to be unanimous selections. Yeah, unanimous selections. And that list right there, they're like, that's unanimous first. They're, they're, they're first ballot Hall of Famers to me, too that group. So yeah, I'm not shocked. I mean, JJ Watt and Aaron Donald are as good as interior D linemen as we've ever seen. Marshall Yonda and Joe Thomas are both, you know, guards and tackles that are as good as they've gotten in this era. Adrian Peterson's one of the three best running backs all time. We know Von Miller, how special he is. So yeah, that's a special, special group there. That's a gold jacket group uh, to me. So, you know, I, I didn't have too many problems with the list overall. You know, I know some people, we're like surprised at the Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, right? That's the one thing I saw on social media. Oh, Drew Brees got screwed over again. You're crazy. Aaron Rodgers, the best player of the decade. I don't know what anybody's talking about. I mean, and oh, first of shocker. all, the, I'm stunned. Yeah, I'm stunned that it's you would right. say that. I'm stunned. I, 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 I keep I, it I real. More Russell Wilson. I saw more Russell Wilson better than Aaron Rodgers for the decade. That's what I don't Nobody even would say Russell Wilson was a top three quarterback until like last year, but now they want him on the all-decade team. People talk out of both sides of their mouth. A lot of these people who said that, I know, I saw that. I want to go, you didn't even think Russell Wilson was good three years ago, but now you're going to say he's the all-decade quarterback? Aaron Rodgers won two MVPs. He easily could have won three and four. I mean, he came in second, I believe, two or three times in the decade. He's been to four NFC championship games. He had one of the greatest Super Bowl performances we've ever seen in this decade. He was a champion in this decade. He can't help that his tight end couldn't catch an onside kick against Seattle or he would have been in another Super Bowl. I mean, to me, it's just that that's not even a debate uh, whether Aaron Rodgers should have been on there. And I am 
I know I love Aaron Rodgers, but I keep it real. If I didn't think he deserved to be, I would. I don't think he's the best quarterback in football anymore. I've come off come off that. You know I love him, but I, he's not the best right now. Think about how great the quarterback position has been in the NFC over the past decade when Drew Brees and Russell Wilson don't make it, right? Right. Two guys right. who are both going to be in the Hall of Fame. Both are going to be first ballot Hall of Famers, and they don't make the all-decade team. That just shows you how much competition there is at the quarterback position right now in the National Football League. And we still are in this golden age where you've got this nucleus of older quarterbacks who are still chugging along and this group of great young quarterbacks who will be dominant on this decade's all-decade team, Patrick Mahomes, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, look, I, I agree with you. Ultimately, it should have been Aaron Rodgers, but I was surprised how much pushback was out there for Russell Wilson as a potential alternative. There really was. And you know what? I, I kind of like it when when they 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 screw this up because it gives us something to sink our teeth into. I sure. The only thing that jumped out at me from the all-decade team, they have Tyree Kill as a punt returner. How many punts has he really returned? Uh, yeah, I, you're right. He only had that little two-year period, I want to say, like 2016, 2017, you know, maybe in the 2018 where he did it a little bit more. But, you know, I, I guess they're looking at it nonetheless. He's the greatest weapon we've seen of the decade. And they couldn't put him on the list of receivers because the list of receivers is insane in the membrane with Antonio Brown, Larry Fitzgerald, Calvin Johnson, and Julio Jones. I mean, that's a freak show, respectfully. And those are all first ballot Hall of Famers. So, yeah, I'm with you. But, you know, who else Who else do you put in there, I guess, would be the, the, the big thing. I, I don't know if they needed two kick returns and punt returns. You're right. They probably could have just had Devin Hester as the kick returner and Darren Sproles as the one punt returner. One thing they didn't do this time, this was something MDS noticed yesterday, they didn't have first team and second team. They just named the team. And obviously the people who made it unanimously, they are cut above the others. But when you don't have first team and second team, that that could make it harder to make cases for potential Hall of Famers. Because if you say the guy's a first team all decade selection, more likely to get in, second team a little bit harder, no team designated. You, you, yeah. You've got that element that's now taken out of the mix, Chris. Yeah, no, you're right. It's uh, another notch, people, or another pelt on the horse that guys can say, you know, as far as their case, stating their case for the Hall of Fame, to go, look, I made, you know, second team all decade, you know, once or twice, whatever it may be, but that is all gone. Uh, and, and yeah, but, you know, again, you know, I kind of like it this way. I do. I think expanding the team and making it, you know, just one team makes more sense to me than anything else. I have one other issue I'll say if I'm going to be totally transparent here and I can't help myself. I don't like Patrick Peterson on the team. I'm sorry. You know, again, I, I have a hard time swallowing that one. I know Patrick Peterson's play has been worthy of it, but Patrick Peterson got suspended for eight football games. It got to reduce the six for PED usage and then got caught trying to cover up the PED usage. So here's that's one guy that, you know me, Mike, I have a hard time with that kind of crap. You know, you cheated, you broke the law, you did a lot of different things there that I don't like, let alone being a setting a bad example for young kids. I would have put a keep to leave over Patrick Peterson. I'm sick of being in this era of glorifying cheaters. I'm sick of it. It's bothering me. And all sports and stuff like this, like, oh, you cheated? Hey, you're on the all-decade team. Well, I don't know. He might well, have been cheating his whole career. So maybe he's not as good as we know. I don't know. And, and it's not just – it's not 
the issue of glorifying cheaters. It's this refusal by fans to recognize and the media it. to properly chastise and downgrade the achievements of those who have tested positive for PEDs. And in Peterson's case, it was the combination of the positive test and the the detection of a masking agent, which made it right. a six-game suspension last year. How long was he successfully masking? That's what I but mean, right. the failure of the masking agent, we wouldn't have known. He was using it, and he was using something else to cover up that he was using it. And maybe for a period of multiple years, he was getting away with it. But finally, the testing caught up with the substance. That's usually what happens. The testing will catch up with you. That's why you need to stay a step ahead of it. And that's where he failed. How long was he cheating? Yes, and that's how, all I'm saying. You know, and, and, and it's so... It's and it's not we're glorifying it. It's that there isn't enough outrage. There isn't enough. Uh, I we're just. I it's so weird how fans get upset with baseball players who cheat, and when football players do, the attitude is, well, how the hell else do we expect them to show up and play every week? Yeah, I, well, yeah, the, no, they're capable. They are. I mean, you know, they don't need to do PEDs for a lot of these. A lot of these guys are in the NFL because. They have a DNA structure that's freaky or gifted that way. You know, half the guys in football are part caveman and Neanderthal. You know, so they're built to play football. If you saw a lot of these moms and dads out there, like you've already heard me say, I mean, if it ain't for Barbara Sims, you know, the big effort, my dad's mom, I mean, there's no way I play in the NFL or Big Phil plays in the NFL. I mean, I've said before, Grandma Sims. She, she had some hands and could have played middle linebacker in football. She was 5'11", big square shoulders, and she'd beat you up. So uh, a lot of these guys can handle it. But, yes, I have issues with that. I do. We fail to recognize that at times, and we just kind of let it slide by. And I don't like that. And I don't mean to sit here and take personal shots, but it, it bothers me as a competitor, and it bothers me as a human. Let me go back down a rabbit hole then. Uh, I'm, and it's not like I need to entice you down that rabbit hole. We already talked about Tom Brady. We talked about how early in the decade he wasn't performing up to the standard we had seen in the prior decade. That was your opinion. And look, it was, it was borne out by the fact that they went 10 years between Super Bowl wins. And we did see after the on to Cincinnati game in 2014, something clicked, something happened. Do right. you believe that he should have been impacted in any way by the deflate gate situation? Well, I, I don't. I'm not going to say, all right, so there's one thing here. You know, again, you know I don't like it. And do I think people gloss over this subject too easily? You know I do. Yes. Uh, it's, it's the negative for Tom Brady for me. If I ever have one negative thing to say about him, it will always be that, where I just go, damn, I, I don't get it. And yes, of course I think he's guilty. But um, the other thing where I'll say where I can defend Tom Brady in a lot of ways is go, okay, he got, you know, they got busted for the flake gate, but then they went and played in Super Bowl 49, and we know the balls were checked, you know, properly for that game against the Seattle Seahawks, and he threw lasers and missiles all over the field and played as good as you could possibly play against one of the best defenses we saw of the decade. So to me, I can swallow that one a little bit more, especially with the results that we saw after that. But it does bother me, yes. And, you know, to take the air out of the balls, which most, most coaches in football would tell you too, you know, there was a reason a lot of people thought New England didn't fumble at home in New England and had other issues like that. It's easier to catch the football. So, yeah, that's certainly a part of the discussion. But, you know, I, I, again, I'm not going to put Brady and Patrick Peterson's uh, camp there because – 
he, he to me PED usage and going down that way, going down that road is a, a little more severe than you know taking the air out of the footballs, which I still don't love and is still cheating in some ways. And look, you know where I stand on this. I continue to believe the evidence was inconclusive that there was cheating on that day. Now that doesn't answer all the questions that that emerged during the investigation, but for that day. The AFC Championship game in early 2015, I believe the evidence at best was inconclusive that there was any type of shenanigans with the air in the footballs. One more point before we go. MDS and I have been – I'm sorry I've been multitasking. i got a business to run, copy-paste, snarky comments, so I'm trying to trying you. to do both at once. I, I, I posed the question to my writing staff as to whether or not we are barking up the wrong tree by suggesting Tyreek Hill should not be the – all-decade punt returner with 85 total punts in the decade. MDS tells me that Tyreek Hill ranks 25th in total punt return yards for the decade and that Devin Hester had more than twice as many punt return yards as Tyreek Hill and a higher yards per punt return average, yet Hill is the all-decade punt returner instead of Devin Hester. That makes no sense, and that just feels like somebody had an agenda to wedge Tyreek exactly. Hill onto this team some way, somehow, even if he otherwise didn't fit in the category th- where they put him. I think that uh, great work by MDS. You the man, big guy. Uh, but yes, yeah, I think that's exactly what I said. I think somebody just looked at it and said, "Man, this guy's such a great weapon, and he's been such a game changer. We need to just get him on the team." And you know that, that that's not right either. You know, I don't like that. Yeah, you're taking away other people's spots there. He's an awesome player. Well, He's certainly as good as we've seen, but I don't know if he deserved a spot on the all-decade team. I mean, look at it this way. Devin Hester at some point is going to be considered for the Hall of Fame, and it's not going to be right. easy for him to get in because special teamers have a hard time getting in. If he's the all-decade kick returner and punt returner, stronger argument to get the guy into the Hall of Fame, right? So Definitely. he deserved it. Not to, I don't I don't care that they needed to find a spot to stick Tyree Kill. They crammed a square peg into a round hole. I'm it should have been Devin Hester, not Tyree Kill. All right, MDS is going to be writing that up for profootballtalk.com. We've we've accomplished something here this morning. We we have some, we found something to complain about in the all-decade team, and we'll have another copy-paste snarky comment post at PFT on that subject. Although there's really no copy-paste or snarky comment, this is our own idea. A lot of percentage of what we write is our own right. idea. So I wish you would shut up with copy-paste and snarky comment. We're gonna take a break. When we return, I did a little copy-paste and snarky comment with a a column that Tom Brady wrote for the Players Tribune yesterday. We'll talk about that a little bit when PFT Live continues right after this. Appearing out of nowhere on Monday, an item by Tom Brady, well, with Tom Brady's name on it at theplayerstribune.com. One of the criticisms of that website is the items really aren't written by the players. They're written by staff. And sure, it's the players' ideas and concepts. But there's a lot of ghostwriting that many believe goes on there. So it's not like Tom Brady sat down at a laptop and banged out this 2,600-word column. Now, I sat down and read the thing, Chris, and there really wasn't anything in there that made me say, wow, that's insightful. Wow, that's something I didn't know. The biggest revelation was when he was drafted by the Patriots in 2000, he didn't even know where New England was. He wondered whether or not it was even an actual place. Like, where do you find New England on a map? So that part of it was kind of funny. But, you know, ultimately, ultimately, the thing that was most glaring to me, and and I want to be fair with Tom Brady here, but... Man, to have, to have, I'm choosing my words carefully. 
to have 2,600 words now in today's climate with everything that's going on, where he talks about his transition from the team he's been with for 20 years and his preparations to hit the ground sprinting with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, to have no mention whatsoever of the pandemic, how the pandemic's going to affect his preparations, how the pandemic currently is impacting his life. It's like it's not even happening. And, and I don't know whether he's just like, mentally ignoring it or he's so caught up in his own life it's not even a factor or if he thinks that he's lived this charmed life that would never be touched by the coronavirus in any way shape or form i just thought it was bizarre given the obvious overlap between the pandemic and his ability or inability to prepare for the season his first season with a new team of his entire career how does that not come up in a 2600 word column well Listen, I, I understand what you're saying. I mean, you, you would think there'd be some reference to what is going on in the world today. And yes, uh, how your life, you know, trying to be a new Tampa Bay Buccaneer might be changed by the challenges, you know, uh, posed by COVID-19. But, you know, this is within line of what Brady does. He just keeps it professional and stays on topic to football. You know, one thing, you know, if I was going to complain a little bit about Tom Brady off the field, yeah, I wish he would take a stance on certain issues and things and be a little bit more vocal. But he has not never been that way. You know, even with the CBA contracts, this one and the last one. I mean, he was by far the most popular person in football for this one and last one. And nothing is said there to, you know, make a statement to get, you know, the players behind him and, and show a little leadership that way. You know, I just think he's very cognizant, almost like of a Michael Jordan, where, you know, they just never want to make any statement that they feel like will ruffle any group or entity's feathers at all. And I, I think that's, you know, part of the corporation of TB12. But we do we do have to be fair here. The antitrust lawsuit that was filed by the players against the league after the lockout in 2011 was called Brady versus the NFL. He was one yeah, of the named plaintiffs, and and, and know, so he was involved. He was name, the first right. name listed, but still, yes. but still, Chris, I'm just saying we can't say that he's stayed out of these issues completely. But he Mike, nobody even knows that one. until you just said that. Nobody knows that, and I didn't even know it until you reminded me in commercial break. So. You know, what would have been more effective is he got in front of a microphone and put his face to it and then said some things like that. But yes, they used him as a name on that to do that. You're right. And I'll give him credit for that. You're right. I'm not trying to be a total jerk here. I'm just trying to point out that he's been reluctant to put his face and name and out there that way with anything controversial. And I think that's probably why he's trying to stay away from this right now, even though I don't know what would be controversial about COVID-19 right now, other than we have some people that are just reluctant to accept the reality that we're in. Well, I, I look at it this way. There, there's already a wall between him and the average person. I mean, it's a gigantic yes. wall. It's a huge wall, right? It's bigger than the wall that Jim Irsay <laughs> built in Indianapolis with his offensive line. He's going to build a wall, right? But, and, and this is an opportunity for him to come off as a human being, to show that this – like. Like it's it, he comes off in this thing as not even the coronavirus can shatter my bubble, can even puncture my bubble. I have this charmed life that is separate and apart from anything anyone else has to deal with. I don't get it. He writes well, it maybe, or someone someone writes it may be the off season now, but to me it feels like the season has already started. That comes off as so freaking out of touch chris when we're dealing with daily questions of whether or not the draft is going to go forward off-season programs what's the season going to look like are they going to have a season 
Will there be stands? For him to say it may be the offseason, but to me it feels like the season's already started. My reaction is, what the hell planet are you on, Tom? Because it surely isn't Earth. Well, yeah, well, this is why he's Tom Brady, and you and me are sitting here talking into a camera because, you know, in his mind, he's waking up going, it's the 2020 season. You know, he's a psycho, Tom versus time. Are you willing to give it all up for to win? Because he was, right? I mean, I believe him. I know it. I've seen it. He is, yes. I think he's focused on that. So I think it's a little bit of what makes him great, too. So we can't lose that aspect of that. that I mean, that that is how he's wired. He's ultra-focused on what he needs to do. And I think he's very good at blocking out the outside world. That's also what made him great. What I'm like in, intrigued by, Mike, I mean, what what happened? Did like did Derek Jeter like go, okay, I'll sell you the house and I'll take away fifty thousand a month in rent, but you have to do a player's tribute or somebody from the player's tribute? I don't understand how that. But I think he out. sold it. But I think I think Jeter, Jeter is sold sold the he's players' totally tribute. Out of it. So. Okay. Yeah, I, okay. I, I don't know. I don't know anything about the details. There, there was an item in November that Minute Media was buying the Players Tribune because, frankly, I mean, look, the fans understand that you're really not getting what you think you're getting. I don't want to. I don't want to diss the Players Tribune, but uh, as previously mentioned, it's really not the kind of access and insight that uh, that that they sold it as, and as evidenced by a 2,600 word column from Tom Brady that really doesn't see anything. And I'll say this, and then we have to take a break. He's supposed to do Howard Stern tomorrow, and there's been no indication that he won't. Howard Stern's not going to let him off the hook. Hey, we're, if, if, as I said last week, the rubber's meeting the road when Howard Stern interviews Tom Brady because if anyone's ever going to make Tom Brady sound like a human being, it's going to be Howard Stern. And if Howard Stern isn't getting anywhere with Tom Brady, it's going to be a pretty short interview. So uh, that one should be interesting to hear tomorrow when yeah, Brady Brady's not to going to buckle, Stern. Mike. Brady is not going to buckle. He is well schooled, and he's just not. He's he's done this then his whole do life. It? I don't think. Then why do it? Why? I when don't you know. Go on at this point. When you go on Howard Stern's show, you understand that you're basically going to a psychiatrist's office and you're laying on the couch and you're going to open up eventually to Howard Stern. Otherwise, you're wasting your time, you're wasting his time, and you're risking that his gigantic audience is going to come out of the experience hating you. So you well, don't he, sign up for it unless yeah. you know you're going to submit to what the process is. Yeah, oh, I mean, I hear you. I think that they'll stay away from, you know, certain hot-button topics. They might get a little well, crazy we'll into Tom Brady's yeah. personal life, but I don't think it's going to be like social issue, issues that are going to cause a stir in the media that Brady's going to make comments about. I don't think that'll happen. I'm There's just, no way. I say, hey, Tom, I read the article you wrote for the Players' Tribune. You don't say anything about how you're trying to get yourself ready for the season given the fact that you can't go outside, given the fact that you can't hang out with your teammates, given the fact that there isn't going to be an off-season program. Isn't it going to be a lot harder for you to get ready for the season if you can't go work with this coach that you want to go work with? It's not all that difficult. And now, I, and I assume that Howard Stern knows enough about football to understand that dynamic or he has people working for him. I mean, legendary research jobs by Howard Stern. He's got staff that help him get ready for these interviews. I just think it's going to be very interesting tomorrow because Stern is going to push him and push him and push him. And we'll see. If he's ever going to crack, he's going to crack while talking to Howard Stern. All right, we've got to take a break. We've been talking about the NFC East today. When we return, we're going to draft the current best players in that division, which happened to be the worst in football in 2019. More Pro Football Talk Live right after this.
We're looking at each division team by team to see what they need to do in the draft. So we're also doing a draft of the best players of that division, all four teams. Yesterday, AFC East. Today, the NFC East. Cowboys, Eagles, Washington, and Giants. Chris has the trivia question. If I get it right, when I get it right, I'll get the first pick. All right, hold on. My ear pods, you know, this is the, the new, my ear pod went out there, so I'm just trying to make sure I got it. Okay, I'm good. Here we go. Sorry about that. Let me unlock my phone. And here's the trivia. Who was the last NFC East team to win the division two years in a row? Man, who was the last team to win the division two years in a row? Michael Florio. Wow. You're on the clock. Wow. Yeah, they've been bouncing around a lot. Let me just throw a dart here and say that it would be the New York Giants. Absolutely not. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> Eat it. No, it's the Eagles, the 2001, 2002, 2003, wow. 2004. That long. That long yes, ago. Yes, sir. Amazing. Yes, sir. 16 years since there's been a repeat champion of the NFC East. All right, you're next. You're All up. right. You're first. Um, Man, this, there's a lot of good in this division. This is actually a tough first pick here. Um, but I'm going to go with the quarterback that I think's the best in the division right now uh, and Carson Wentz. I'm going to make Carson Wentz my first pick. I think Carson Wentz, again, you know, a really talented player. We saw last year, I think the whole world saw a little bit, anybody paying attention to the NFL, how talented he is and what he did with the cast of characters that were around him towards the end of the season. I mean, it was nobody's. You and not, you and me are obsessed with the sport and live it. And we were going on Sundays going, wait, who is this guy a receiver? Who the hell is this running back? And they were still winning games with Carson Wentz. And he's a phenomenal football player. Yes, there's a little injury history. That's the only negative you could say. But he was, to me, the 2017 NFL MVP. And I think he's one. He's definitely one of the top 10 quarterbacks in football. Not top five, but I think he's in that next group of guys, Mike, or anywhere you could say anywhere between six and nine as the best quarterbacks in the sport right now. You know, it is amazing with so much publicity, so much discussion, so much focus that Dak Prescott gets because he's yet to get his second contract. He plays quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys. You're right. Carson Wentz has done more with less. And that turnaround late last season, which included a Week 16 showdown with the Cowboys, a victory over the Cowboys to vault the Eagles to the NFC East title, it does merit some extra consideration for Carson Wentz. So, look, for me, it was one or the other. You decided it for me by taking Wentz. I'll take Dak Prescott. I still think he's one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. And when you look at how bad that division is, Dak Prescott, one of the few players that stands out. He hasn't gotten that second contract yet. He presumably will, unless he just wants so much the Cowboys say, screw it, we'll have him for two more years under the tag and then let him walk away. But he's done a lot without a ton around him. He didn't have a lot from Ezekiel Elliott last year. That's not right. nearly what he was used to. We saw the offense shift last year from being run-focused to pass-focused. And at one point, Dak Prescott was on pace to have over 5,000 yards. I think he still finished with 4,900, which is a huge year when you consider the fact that this is a team that was premised on running the football. So Dak Prescott, I, I may have taken him first if I had had the first pick. So we may be where we would have been even if I had gotten the trivia question right. I agree with your case for Carson Wentz, but but there's just something about Dak Prescott, Dallas Cowboys, that name I just has you. more sizzle. The team has more sizzle. Yeah, I get it. it. 
Well, it, it's very close. I mean, uh, you know, I, I, you know, again, I, I view Dak Prescott a lot with the same things I just said about Carson Wentz. Really, I mean, he's really talented. Yes, he's not in the top five quarterbacks in football for me, but he's in that next group. He's somewhere between six and ten. And yeah, I think I just I view Carson Wentz maybe as a hair more talented than Dak Prescott, but nonetheless. Dak Prescott is part of the cream of the crop in the NFL at that position. A great leader and a quarterback that the Cowboys can win a Super Bowl with for sure. Um, all right. I, I'm, I'm staying with the Eagles. I, I can't help it. But you know me, Mike. I like big asses and big legs. And Fletcher Cox has got both of them. All right. Fletcher Cox will be my second pick. The big nasty defensive tackle. He just made the all-decade team. So that says a little bit about what he is. But this has been one of the best defensive players in football, not named Aaron Donald, for really about the last four to five years. You know, whatever you want him to do, you want him to plug the middle and stop the run game, no problem. He could take double teams and create a mosh pit. You want him to wreak havoc and get in the backfield, push the pocket to, you know, to rush the pass or whatever it may be. Fletcher Cox uh, is the number one weapon for that Eagles defense. And you saw last year when he wasn't totally healthy, they weren't the same defense. When he got healthy towards the end of the year, they started dominating again. That's what kind of player he is. I mean, he's a Hall of Fame defensive tackle at this point of his career. Yeah, you know, he got banged up in that playoff loss to the Saints in the 2018 season, and it carried over into the yeah. 2019 season. He, he fought through it, but he wasn't as good as he had been, but it finally came around for him. And uh, Fletcher Cox, I agree with you, one of the best players, not just in his division, but in all of the NFL. All right, I'm going to go with Zeke. Even though Zeke had a down year by his standards, he still had 1,357 rushing yards. And he started every game for the first time in his career, averaged 4.5 yards per carry, had 12 rushing touchdowns, another two receiving touchdowns, a total of nearly 1,800 yards from scrimmage. And it's amazing. It just shows you how good he is. The standard he set, that we feel like it was a down year when he still had 1,700 yards plus from scrimmage. So uh, Ezekiel, it's still one of the finest players in all of football. And maybe going into this year, a little more motivated, a little more prepared, a little more chip on the shoulder trying to prove some of the doubters wrong who, who saw a different Zeke last year. And look, we, we saw a different Zeke because it was a different Zeke once he busted through into the second level. He didn't turn those... 15-yard gains into 40-yard gains like he had in the exactly. past. That was something you were all over all year long, and it was accurate. But uh, he's still one of the best running backs in the NFL and one of the best players in his division. Yeah, he's, he's got great value. There's no doubt. Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm, uh, you know, I think you and I, what we're talking about with Zeke, we're holding him to a standard. You're the highest-paid running back in football. We expect greatness. And, yes, it was still a really awesome, good year. But there was some meat left on the bone on some of those runs. And, you know, as you and I talk about a lot, it's not about what you got. It was what was there to be had. And I just felt like there were some runs with Zeke that, yes, he didn't maximize. I probably would have gone with Saquon Barkley over Ezekiel Elliott right now at the running back position. It's not going to be ahead. my pick, Go though. Ahead. Do it. No. Nope. Do it. It's not going to be my pick. It's not going to be my pick. I'm, I'm not going to be uh, biased towards just the sexy skill guys. I'm going with a big, but another you're, big but you're, nasty. Yeah, legs and butt. Legs and butt. Saquon right. Barkley. How can you not the, take Saquon Barkley when you're he's aficionado got a lot of, of the legs and butt of the football players? Well, because Zach Martin's got an unbelievable derriere and legs, too. That's why. <laughs> he's got plenty to go around, all right? <laughs> so, yes, I'm going to go with Zach Martin. I mean, Zach Martin 
you know, a, a guard in football. This has been the most dom- dominant guard in the game since he got drafted out of Notre Dame. He is certainly the best player on that Cowboys offensive line and what makes them go. But he's special in the fact that, you know, he is a talented guy where, oh, Fletcher Cox comes into town, Aaron Donald comes into town. We don't need to help out Zach Martin. He can block them by himself. He's that kind of talent. Uh, yeah, he's been one of the best, if not the best offensive lineman in football the last few years. He's certainly in that discussion. And uh, another guy that's, you know, in a, on a Hall of Fame track. And wait, Mike, he made the all-decade team too, right? Am I wrong about that? Um, I'm pretty sure yes, he, did, he did. But yeah, he did. So, yeah, Zach Martin will be my final final pick. But, you know, I'm tempted to complete the trifecta here. Like, I'm working a slot machine and I want it to come up, cowboy, cowboy. You're gonna go Dexter cowboy. Lawrence now? <laughs> no, no. I, I'm I'm torn between three guys. I'm thinking Demarcus Lawrence, but eh, I'm thinking Amari Cooper. And and you know, I'm still puzzled by the Rex Ryan comments from last Friday about Amari Cooper. We've Little had harsh. Amari Cooper highlights constantly. Amari Cooper has every game some sort of a highlight where he does something inhuman to get open. Uh, the guy's an incredible receiver, but I'm going to go Saquon. You're leaving Saquon on the board. You're trying to play the Jedi mind trick on me by mentioning Saquon and not taking him. Saquon Barkley last year was banged up all season long. He had that horrible ankle injury against Tampa Bay. Should have missed a month and didn't and still had 1,000 rushing yards in 13 games. He set a standard as a rookie that made last year feel like a disappointment, but we still got over 1,400 yards from scrimmage from Saquon Barkley behind a crap offensive line, all due respect, with a rookie quarterback. So Saquon Barkley, still a very, very special talent, and the sky continues to be the limit for him, Chris. Yeah, I mean, to me, this is still one of the most talented running backs and offensive weapons in the sport. And you're right, he's banged up. You know, there wasn't a rookie quarterback, quarterback change, you know, no receiver to be scared of, uh, plus not having a good offensive line. You're right. I mean, I, I think Saquon Barkley is a really, really special talent. And in that discussion for one of the best running backs in the sport, it's interesting, you know, with the with the NFC East, when you break it down, Mike, I feel like a lot of my next picks were going to be linemen. You know, a lot of uh, Dave Gettleman would say hog mollies in the NFC East. I mean, Trent Williams, Brandon Scherf. Tyrone Smith, Lane Johnson, who's probably the best right tackle in all of football for the Philadelphia Eagles. He was in the discussion, you know, along with, you know, Amari Cooper and and, uh, Saquon Barkley as well. But uh, interesting to see who the best players are in some of these divisions. I would have thrown the challenge flag if you had tried to go Trent Williams. He's trying to get out of the division. I he hasn't I played I in two years. He's never playing again unless they trade him He's still to in the, the division, Giants, Mike. Cowboys, or Eagles. He's not going to be in the division. I also was very impressed that you properly pronounced a somewhat complicated word like derriere. Very impressed. You're coming around. You. You're learning. You're growing. You self-edited yourself earlier when you said missile instead of blank missile very impressive you're having a good day so far that word is that what you're talking about (laughs) forget it i was just saying there it went let's take a break (laughs) one of the most controversial rules from last season is likely not going to be back a shred of good news at an otherwise bleak time for humanity more pft live right after this The NFL implemented in 2019 on a one-year basis, pass interference, replay review for all calls and non-calls of that specific infraction. It was a reaction to the 2018 NFC Championship game, which had a blatantly missed P.I. 
committed by the Rams, late in regulation against the Saints and uh, sparked a huge negative reaction, a donut hole, a flaw that needed to be repaired. They tried to do it with pass interference for replay review. And apparently, well, we know it didn't go well, but apparently it's not coming back. Judy Batista of NFL Media reported yesterday that pass interference replay review almost certainly will not be extended. That's a result of competition committee meetings. They're going to have some sort of an ownership meeting in May to talk about rules for next year, Chris. We don't know whether it's going to be in person or by teleconference or video conference. But look, pass interference replay review, most likely dead. That's good news. The bad news, or at least the unknown news at this point, what takes its place? That, that Because they still need to have something to prevent another Rams-Saints postseason debacle. And... What is it going to be if they get rid of replay review for pass interference? Yeah, um, I, I'm glad they're getting rid of it. I, I, I don't like it. You know, I didn't like it. You know, there's just a, oh, there goes my dog in the background again. But either way, I mean, the, one, I didn't like the stoppage of games. Okay, that was the first thing that bothered me. It slowed down the whole process of the game. Secondly, all right, I think the thing that bothered me is it's still a very subjective call. You know, we, how many times were we in a room with the great Tony Dungy and Rodney Harrison and Mike Tirico where, you know, two of us thought it was pass interference, four of us didn't. And all we do is watch football for a living. So uh, I think it was too subjective from that standpoint. But I'm with you. Something needs to be done just for that fail safe of that once. You know, again, this is something that happened once in 53 years of the Super Bowl era, but maybe – you know, hey, this rule, like, uh, you know, red button rule, like the commissioner or, or Al Riveron can overrule something if he, it's so egregious like this, where he can call in and go, hey, guys, you, this one's so wrong. Uh, I got to butt in. But I'm with you. They got to find something for just in case that does happen once again. And, and you know how I feel about this. Unless and until they have Sky Judge, which I think is what they should do, they should have an extra member of the officiating crew wearing black and white stripes who's sitting in a booth with all of the angles we see at home and is in constant communication as needed with the officials on the field to say, you made a mistake, pick it up, bridge the gap between what we see at home and what they see while they're out there trying to not get trampled by the gladiators. That's what they need to do. If they're not going to do that, and if they're not going to have replay review for pass interference, you need to understand when to break the rules. And you need to understand when a guy like Al Riveron has to press the button and talk to the official and say, drop a flag. And, and they're not supposed to use it for that purpose. We've seen evidence over the years that they've had this communication pipeline for certain types of things. It's ideally there to assist with and discuss the replay review, but it's used for other things. It's not supposed to be used for penalties. It's not supposed to be used for kind of an impromptu replay review. But look, if Al Riveron had just had the presence of mind and the willingness to break the rules during the NFC Championship game when that blatant pass interference occurred, when Nikel Roby Coleman wiped out Tommy Lee Lewis, if he had just said, hey, drop a flag here, you have to drop a flag here, Think of all the headache, heartache, and time that would have been saved if they would have just done that. And no one ever would have said, boo, Chris. No one ever said, uh-huh, oh, you're, you're violating the protocols for the use of the real-time communication system. No, they would have gotten it right. And I think the person who's in that job needs to know there are certain times where you have to forget about the rules and fix the kind of error that's going to create a headache for everyone connected to the sport.
I, I know, but I just I worry about that person then getting involved too. I guess that's right. You know, so th- there's a part of me too where I want to go. All right, we need the sky judge or some fail safe. Hey, Al Riveron can hit the red panic button, drop the flag, drop the flag. But I also want to say again, it was once in a 53 year thing. Did we see any calls last year that we felt like that needed to happen once again, where we needed to drop the? That's where I get worried about. Right. I get worried I about know. Mike. Like the Minnesota Saints playoff game, that all of a sudden, oh, he thinks it's pass interference on Kyle Rudolph. I didn't think it was. I thought the Saints defender had two hands on his shoulder and was holding him. And of course, you have to push off at some point if you want to be able to catch the football. So I just worry about the flag being dropped when it's not appropriate. Let me say this, and then we have to break. It is a true break glass in event of emergency option. And you need someone you can trust to know when to do it. Would you feel differently? I know we have to go. Would you feel differently if it was Dean Blandino in that seat and not Al Riveron making that decision of when to say, we, we, boom, break glass. We have to do this. That's when we're going to break the rules. I would like more than Dean Blandino. I would like it to be like, that's when the three-team committee, it's Al Riveron, no, no. Ferreira. We're talking and- about... No, we're talking about black ops here. We're talking about somebody who is taking it into his own hands. That's what they, if they're not going to have Sky Judge, they need to have somebody who knows when to say, holy bleep, we have to do something about this now. I just and would like to see more to than one guy. I want three guys to be right. go, holy blap, let's, let's break the my, damn glass my, and hit the button. But my point is, my point is it's not going to be three guys because it's a secret program that the NFL uses as the fail safe. All right, we got to go. Uh, tomorrow, or not tomorrow, uh, if there is training camp, we'll talk about next who's going to be on Hard Knocks. I thought the show was over. Tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> Racing Week in America continues today with Twists and Turns Tuesday, featuring some of the best back-and-forth battles across NASCAR, IndyCar, Supercross, and American Flat Track Programming also will stream on NBCSports.com and the NBC Sports app. All right, Chris, if there is a hard knocks this year, it's going to be, according to ESPN, the Rams and the Chargers. But there's got to be training camp before there can be hard knocks. I don't know how I feel about two teams doing it. I've said that it should be multiple teams. It should be the whole league. It should be the best clips that they get from training camp. But uh, I don't know, Rams and Chargers. Uh, Didn't we just have the Rams a few years ago? Yeah, it was uh, the end that Jeff Fisher's last year. But either way, a lot of personalities. L.A., I can understand. You know, HBO going, man, we have a camera crew so close to both of these teams. We have the accessibility. I think we'll get better stories altogether being able to take from two different teams. That'll be a that'll be a positive about the show. But we're not having the show. I don't know if it's training camp oh, happening. Yeah. I don't know what the hell is happening. That's it for today's show. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great Tuesday. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle. 
because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the bacon cheese slider, 1921 bacon cheese slider, or chicken bacon ranch slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 bacon bundle. White Castle, follow your crave.